0: I want you to turn, uh, of course, on Pentecost Sunday, I want you to turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. And in the book of Acts chapter 2, it's a very familiar verse of Scripture that's known to us as Pentecostals. Uh, And it's that account, as we call it, of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The promise that Jesus made right before he ascended back into heaven. So if you're there in your in your Bibles, I'm reading actually this morning from the New International Wording. But I want you to follow along with me. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. If you're reading the King James, it says cloven tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, filled with me. Filled, 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 filled is an adjective here that that describes, if you would, that inner filling, not a. F-E-E-L-I-N-G, by a filling, a total consumption, if you would. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues has the Spirit enabled them. Or again, if you're reading the King James, has the Spirit gave them utterance. Father, we thank You for the power of Your Word. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Ghost today, the infilling of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that it's not given simply for our benefit, but Lord, you gave it to us that we may benefit the church and we may increase the kingdom of God. Lord, help me, Lord, to, to bring due justice to this word today that you've given me in this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let me give you just a little bit of this background that you probably most of you already know. The day of Pentecost, Pentecost in itself means 50 days. It's now 50 days since the resurrection or what we call Easter Sunday. It occurred, the first day of Pentecost as we know it, occurred 10 days after Christ's ascension. Now the day of Pentecost was not anything new to the people. It had been in existence for generation upon generation upon generation. Pentecostal occurred on the Shabbat or the festival of weeks that occurs 50 days after the Passover. And it was the insurance that people from every nation, people from every nation would be gathering in Jerusalem. So what I want to paint to you in this portrait is that Jerusalem was a crowded place on this day. It was a place where there was it was elbow to elbow, it was shoulder to shoulder. It was worse than Dollywood on Grand Opening Day, okay? It was worse than the grand opening of Gabe's was over here on 460 a few weeks ago. We went in there on a Sunday and and, uh, after church on that grand opening weekend and uh, my wife was shopping around. I love how my wife shops. She gets that little buggy and she puts it around and, and she flips through everything and she puts this in and then she puts that in and then she puts this in. And then as she gets closer to the register, she takes this out, she takes this out, and she takes this out. And by the time we get to the register, she says, I don't think I'm going to get anything. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. But that particular day, she didn't even have to do that because the line was weave woven back through all of the registers and came back and went all the way back to the end of the story. It was a huge crowd, but it no way compares to the crowd that's in Jerusalem on this Pentecost Sunday. It was not a happenstance. It was not a coincidence. it was it was not a matter of uh, well I'm, Jesus said, I'm just glad it worked out this way." No this is an intricate plan of God that he would pour out his spirit upon his church on the day when people from all different parts of the known world at that time would be gathered in Jerusalem. It was a very, very busy to say the least season in Jerusalem. Now, God did that for a reason, because God had a point to make. Actually, he had more than one point to make. And that's what I'm preaching this morning are the four miracles that occurred on this first Pentecost. You see, because uh, Jesus likes crowds of people. It's not that he's vain. It's, it's not that he's self-centered. But But understand this with me this morning. Jesus is all about people. Uh, one of my, my greatest mentors, my, my friend James Bilberry, and you hear me mention his name from time to time. And, and, and James learned me a lesson a long time ago. He taught me the lesson that you cannot really serve God unless you're serving people. You can't really love God unless you're loving people. Therefore, Jesus is all about people. Everywhere he went, he seemed to gather a crowd. Even when they were there to dispute him, he, he still gathered a crowd. And now Jesus is Jesus has gone back to heaven just ten days ahead of time. But he and, and and there's some concern by his followers. What what will happen? What's going to happen? You know, nobody's ever been through any of this stuff before. And, 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 and Jesus said, well, don't, don't be upset. Don't worry. Don't fret or fear. He said, because if you will just tarry in Jerusalem, he said, I'm going to send you another comforter. If you would, what he's saying there is, I am going to send you another like me. And I'm, or you could say, I'm going to send my presence in a yet another form. So Jesus instructs those, and some hundred and twenty gather in that upper room. And the upper room, if you ever if you've ever been there, it, my my simple mind will describe it in these terms: it's like the most glorified gazebo that you could ever be in in your life. You know, it's it's got marble and it's got large columns and I understand what stands there now is not necessarily the one that they were gathered in. It is on the location, but through years of ravaging and war, uh, it had been destroyed and it's been rebuilt, uh, I think at least twice over. But it's like a glorified gazebo. But what is critical to it is to put 120 or so people in that place. It was very full. I want you to know that. But what is even more impressive than that is the location of the upper room. You know, when I hear upper room, my mind's sort of thinking, well, it's in the upstairs of some building. That's why you would call it an upper room. But that wasn't the case at all. It's not the case at all. It's this upper room stands on top of... A high hill in Jerusalem, and as it steps uh, sets upon this high hill, almost it can see be seen from almost any almost any vantage point, and and whatever happens high upon that hill, even the audible sense, the noise is going to go out and cover the city of Jerusalem. Let me tell you something. What I'm saying to you is this: that the day of Pentecost was not happenstance; it was very critical. It was very critical and it was, and if you would, it was very intricately planned in the plan of God that it would occur and the birth of the New Testament church would take place. Now there's four miracles that occurred on this day of Pentecost. The first miracle that occurs is the obedience to instruction. The obedience to instruction. You see, we know the scripture, many of us probably have at least quoted it in a paraphrase form before that obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, the Lord speaks to us, the Lord speaks to us in in, in many different ways. But in particular, the Lord speaks to us by His Spirit and by His Word. Let me say this to you this morning. The, the The Word and the Spirit will always come into agreement. If, 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 if somebody says to you, the Spirit of the Lord has spoke to me, but what they, uh, what they express as the Spirit of the Lord speaking to them is not in agreement with the Word of God, there's a good indication it was really not the Spirit of the Lord at all. Because the Spirit and the Word will come into alignment. And as they come into alignment, what, what happens in is then we see the manifest presence of God, in this case, we find that the people that Jesus had, had gathered around him went on the ascension that and he gave them instruction to tarry, to remain in Jerusalem and to stay there in one mind, in one accord. In, in that place, in that particular place, what we see is the result of an obedience to instruction. Now... As God speaks to us as New Testament saints, as New Testament Christians. And even if you're in this room this morning and you're not saved or maybe you're watching and you're not saved, you've not committed your life to Christ. What he's calling us to do is to walk in obedience to him, to follow him, if you would, to be disciples, good pupils, learners of him. So we see that it is critical that we walk in obedience to Jesus' instruction. They went and... And they waited. For some of us, that's hard for us. It's hard for us to go when Jesus says go because we sort of want to go on our timing. It's hard for us to wait when Jesus says wait because we're the microwave generation. We don't like cooking stuff in the crock pot anymore. Uh, I had a friend of mine that, uh, we, we had the, the hog chapter. That's the Harley owners group that Sarah and I are in. We, we had a little fundraiser back in the winter and we've got a guy in our, our in our, and our hog chapter, he likes to cook. He, in fact, he is a very good cook. He's retired military and man, he can cook up a storm. He bought him a thing called an instapot. And he brought it over to a fundraiser that we were going to have. I should have shown a picture of this, shouldn't I? And he was showing me, he, they all called me preacher. He said, preacher, come over here. He said, you're not going to believe this. We're getting ready to start, get ready for our fundraiser. And he, he had sat there and taken the time to open all of these bags of wieners. It was a hot dog sale. And he had stuffed them in first down in that Instapot. He said, "Can you believe you can get sixty hot dog weenies in this Instapot?" I said, "Wow, man, that's pretty impressive." He turned that thing on. I didn't understand what an Instapot is. It's like a crock pot on steroids. It's like you crossed a crock pot and a pressure cooker. Y'all know what that is? It had that little thing vibrate on top of it? It's like you put a crock pot and a pressure cooker together. You cross them over. He put that Instapot on there. He sealed that lid down on that thing and and he turned it on for 30 minutes. He said, I think they're done now. And when he started to unscrew the lid off that Instapot, there was weenies flew everywhere. Boom! You see, that built up all of this pressure. That that thing was quick though. It did it in a hurry. You didn't have to wait on that old slow crock pot to heat up. You see, but that's the generation that we're in. We want everything and we don't want it now anymore. We want it yesterday. But Jesus said, you need to go and you need to wait. And thank God that there was that some 120 that went and they waited on the Lord. I would to God that we could come to that place where we would walk in obedience one more time and we can go when Jesus says go and we can wait when He says wait and we can do it like He says to do it. Because I think that is a critical point and that is one of the miracles that happened on Pentecost was people were willing to walk in obedience. The second miracle that happened on the day of Pentecost Was you had that, it's, and it's given in scripture as 120. Some people say that, that, that may not be an exact number. And I, you know, that, that's sort of irrelevant in itself. But the fact of it is, if you had, and keep in mind, these were would-be Pentecostals, and I'll pick on Pentecostals because we is one, okay? But, but when you can take 120 would-be Pentecostals and put them in a large room, you've done okay. But when you could take 120 Pentecostals and put them in a small room and say, you all got to get along together for 10 solid days, that is a miracle in itself. Amen? That is a miracle in itself because we've had too many arguments about what color the pews ought to be, what color the carpet ought to be, whether the lights ought to be upright or whether the lights ought to be down low, whether we should sing classic, whether we should sing contemporary, whether we should, whether we should do this and whether we should do that. And and let me tell you something. I'm just going to be very plain spoken about this, this this morning. If us Pentecostals could have stayed together through this, this last 125 or whatever years it's been since the outpouring on Azusa Street. If us western, western hemisphere hem of, Pentecostals, if we could have kept our act together and stayed together and worked together in unity, we would be the most powerful force on the face of the earth today. But see, the enemy comes in and he tries to sow seed of discord and to separate us and divide us. And then we ended up in dividing up in groups and we ended up arguing and fussing and we ended up sitting on one side of the street and somebody else is on the other side of the street. But listen to me, there is something phenomenal will take place when God's people can and will come together in unity and they will walk in unity. We will put our selfish wants and our own self-centered opinions aside and we will forget about all the things that we want and all the cares that we have and we come together and we center our focus on the plan of God and that's what happened in this upper room for 10 days, 120 would-be Pentecostals, soon to be Pentecostals, came to And they put their focus on the will and the mission of God. Listen to me, church. When the church, you know, when the church can come together and we can put our hearts and our minds off of our agendas and put them on the agenda of God and seek his will. Seek first his kingdom. Then all the other things will be added to you. It's remarkable what we would see happen in our midst. And then. That third miracle, the, the one we all think about, really, the prominent miracle, if you would, was the infilling of the Spirit. Now, you know, you all have heard me say before, and you could possibly disagree with me, you know, that just means I'm right and you're wrong, correct? You know, no, I'm just kidding. But the Holy Spirit is always at work. And I believe the Holy Spirit is work at work in the life of every believer. In fact, the Bible specifically tells us that you can't be saved apart from the working of the Holy Spirit. He is the drawer. He, he wounds us into salvation. And these people were followers of Jesus. We know that. But there was something about to take place that hadn't yet happened. They, they, were, they were followers of Jesus. They, they, the Holy Spirit was working among them. The Holy Spirit was there. But suddenly, suddenly, something happened. There was a, a distribution of power that took place in that upper room. Now, to get to this point, I want to remind you, to get to this point, they went and they waited. The first miracle. The second miracle is they stayed in unity and as they wait, went, and they waited, and they stayed in unity, and they sought the will of God. Then we find, when the day of Pentecost, when the time, the ordained time of God, you know, some of us struggle with that. I believe. I believe everything in. I believe everything in the plan of God comes under ordinance. I believe. I believe He has an ordained plan and time and reason for everything. But when the ordained time had come forth, then the Holy Spirit came through that place. And we read the words, that that the the sound, the sound. There was a sound from heaven, like a rushing mighty wind. The breath of God, if you would. And then there there was cloven tongues, as of fire, separated tongues, that began to sat on each of them. And what happened to them, there was a distribution of power. There was evidence of tongues. Can I say something here and not be... Not be churched, as we used to say as a Pentecostal. The tongues was not the Holy Ghost. The tongue was just the evidence of the Holy Ghost. You see, I still go back and we, you know, we still have manuals, you know, remember, some of y'all older PH people remember when we used to call them uh, disciplines and then they changed it to the church manual because they said discipline was too harsh. Maybe we ought to change it back. I don't know. But in most mainstream Pentecostal denominations, it's referred to as, they, we believe, in the infilling, the baptism in the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking in unknown tongues. Now in that, let's never confuse that the tongues are the Holy Ghost, but the tongue is the evidence that the Holy Ghost is living and working and has been infilled. So we find that then we have the distribution of power, we find the evidence of tongues, but here is the essence of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because if you go on down, and you, and I'm not going to read all of this for the sake of, but if you begin reading at verse 5 and you read down through verse 13, you find there that because it was the feast at the, the day of Pentecost, and you find that all of these people from every nation, every tongue, all these different tribes had assembled in Jerusalem. All of a sudden, people from every ethnic group begin to hear, unlearn, according to Scripture, unknowledgeable, untaught men began to speak in languages that they didn't know what they were themselves. But yet the people that surrounded the city of Jerusalem began to witness a miraculous manifestation of the Holy Ghost that was such a miraculous manifestation that it brought witness to the deity of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And they began to say man, what is going on here? These guys don't know our language. They can't speak French. They can't speak Latin. They can't speak whatever uh, language you could think of, Hispanic language, Spanish. They can't speak our language. All of a sudden, they're hearing people do things that they can't do. They've not been taught. They've not been trained. They've not been learned. And then someone steps up and says, well, maybe they're drunk. You know, it is 9 o'clock in the morning. You know, maybe they're all just drunk. But no, then people. Peter steps out and as Peter begins to proclaim a message, we see the ultimate feeling, if you would, of what happens as the Word of God is preached. We see that the preaching of the Word of God released power on that city and that very moment 3,000 souls were saved. You know, I think for us as a church, we talk about revival, we talk about getting people saved, we talk about reaching people. I do it all the time. We do different things in the name of evangelism. But here's where I'm at with you this morning. If we can come to that place where we will walk in obedience, where we will say, God, I'm going to go where you say go. I'm going to wait as long as you say wait. Lord, I need patience. Please hurry up. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. If we will come to the place where we forget about fussing and fighting, whether it's your song, my song, your pew, my pew, your carpet color, my carpet color, whether we have 7 o'clock service or whether we have 6 o'clock service or any of those things, if we will begin to put all of those aside and we will come together in unity and we will be filled once again with the power of the Holy Ghost and let Him occupy our life and work in our life we will find that we will be we may be accused of being drunk men we may be accused of being crazy we may be accused of all kinds of different things but praise the lord that we can draw accusation because some of us if we got arrested for being a holy ghost filled Christian there might not even be enough evidence to convict us but we need to be full of the Holy Ghost and not for that we may gain any notoriety in ourself, but we need to be a people that lets the love of Jesus Christ radiate out of our life. And if we will do that, and we will boldly stand and begin to proclaim the Word of God one more time, and we will begin to just give a short message just like Peter one more time, not in the church house, but standing high on the hill up above the city, and we will begin to proclaim, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves I believe that Jesus can still save 3,000 souls in one moment I believe He can still bring revival to the church I believe if we will grab hold of the four miracles of Pentecost we can and we will see revival break out not only in Blue Well, but in America one more time if we will trust the Lord y'all done got me sweating and i don't sweat much so 600 words 600 words the content of peter's message brought if you would that was the first mega church by western standards one mess one outpouring of the holy spirit One, one message. Don't y'all wish I only had 600 words sometimes? Some of you might remember old brother Jim Hilliard. He was a, he was our conference evangelist for many, many years, a great friend of mine. Jim would preach and as Jim would preach he'd go, John and Millie I know remember it. Amen. Amen. We had him in revival one time and the teenagers decided they was going to count how many times he said amen. He counted, he said amen 275 times, I think it was, in one message. Peter spoke 600 words, 600 words with precision, but 600 words that were supported by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. We, 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 as Pentecostals, we say that all the time. And that's, and I realize that's speaking of the, the anointing of the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of sacrifice that He made for us. But understand this, that the Holy Ghost is given to the church. On this day of Pentecost, let us be reminded, let us not forget that the Holy Ghost has been given to us in the fullness, in the baptism. It is available to us. It is a gift of faith that we receive through faith. I can't you to talk in tongues. Talking in tongues is not the most important part anyway. It's the initial evidence. Always remember that. But we need to receive the Holy Ghost because He has received it. In order, the Word of God says that we may receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon us. If you flesh that out in Scripture, after it indwells us, after it fills us, after we are overcome inside out with the Holy Ghost, we shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon us, that's when we will begin to see the days once again that we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and we can cast out devils and if we drink any deadly thing, it will not kill us. Don't worry, we're not going to pull out any snakes this morning. But I want to tell you what, the Holy Ghost will empower us to be the church that God has called us to be. So the empowerment that God Gave to the church through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not debating other denominations or other doctrinal beliefs by any means. But I've heard it said, all that was good for the day it was given in. Well, as as I study Scripture, I find that I can turn a few pages and I can find they were all filled with the Holy Ghost as they... Were in the beginning. They begin to speak in tongues. I find the ongoing presence of the infilling or the baptism in the Holy Spirit in Scripture. I find the ongoing presence of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The baptism. As I was a young Episcopalian that went to holiness churches when I was... About twelve or thirteen years old, and had no clue what was going on. I thought some of them people done went crazy. See, I wasn't I wasn't I rocked in no, no Pentecostal cradle. I, and I, I found, I found the, and it's not necessarily all about the outward display or or anything like that, but I found the presence of the Holy Ghost still at work when I would hear people, somebody stand up and, 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 and you would hear a hush come over the service and a message in tongues would come forth. And then somebody over on the other side that didn't have a clue who this person was would stand up and give an interpretation. And I witnessed with my own eyes and my own ears and I, I witnessed somebody that would stand up and maybe bring a word of knowledge or a prophetic word and, and, and then, then, some, then, then sometimes quickly, but sometimes it may be a, a space of time and then you would see the word of the Lord come to pass. It was, it was in uh, a, a service in a little country church and John Milley knows what I'm talking about, up in fell taller. That I saw a woman that came in and her hand was mangled with arthritis. Charlie hopes he's watching this by live this morning. He's not here, but he sometimes Charlie 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 we we love him Charlie Howard and you know Charlie's Charlie's body is 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 just just so grip the arthritis has such a grip on Charlie's body and I know he struggles some days. Very much so. And this woman came in, and her hands were twisted and mangled and, and and I can remember how she she somebody the preacher gave an altar call in the service that night and and, and this woman was unsaved, and she started walking up towards the the altar she started walking up the aisle of that little church and, and it, the church to the most, could have maybe seventy-five people, if that much, if you stacked up the songbooks to set them. And, and so it wasn't about the the size of the building or anything like that, but it was about a release of faith, and it was about the working of the Holy Ghost. And she began to come up that aisle, and those little mangled hands, and she had them up in the air like this. She was a backslidden Christian, and as she as she started praising the Lord, walking up that short aisle of that church, by the time she got to the front of the church, I heard this with my own ears. It was an audible noise. I saw it with my own eyes. It was visually apparent. And she began to stretch out those mangled hands. You could hear the bones popping and cracking in her hands. And her little fingers began to straighten out. And by the time she got to the front of East Piney Mission, her hands were fully extended and her fingers were reached out and they weren't twisted up and mangled anymore. And she began to praise the Lord and the Holy Spirit fell on her as it had previously in her life and she was filled, she was saved, she was sanctified, and she was filled, as we used to say, with the Holy Ghost and fire. And not only that, was, but she was healed in that moment. I believe God's still that kind of God. I believe He still does those kinds of things. I believe that the problem does not lie within God, but the problem does lie within us. That we need to lay grip on the four miracles a Pentecost one more time. We need to become obedient to the instruction of the Lord. Whether by the Spirit or by the Word. We need to come together in unity one more time. Forgetting about our own selfish desires and our selfish wants. We need to be filled. We need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be renewed, refired every day. Old Dallas Joel said, I'm not retired, I'm just refired. We need to get fired up again every single day. And then we need to proclaim the Word of God with great power. And great authority. When we read the book of John. John's gospel. Jesus said this. He said, I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me. Will do what I've been doing. Do you hear what that says? Jesus said, anybody who has faith in me. Will be doing what I've been doing. Hello? Can I read that one more time? I seem to have an echo. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. As Jesus goes to the Father, understand, Jesus said, I going to send you another comforter. My abiding presence, the person of the Holy Ghost, is going to abide in you. You're not going to only do what I've been doing, but even greater things. Maybe not greater in magnitude. Of course not. None of us could be superior to Jesus and to the work of God. But he's sent even greater work. Because you know what? Jesus has called... Listen, he didn't call the preacher to do it. The preacher, the pastor, the evangelist, whatever capacity... That preacher has their responsibilities to serve. But let me tell you, what what we find is here in this scripture, God is calling every one of us to be full of the Holy Spirit and calling us to be going out and representing and displaying Jesus Christ among the communities, the neighborhoods, the towns, the state, the country, wherever we're at. He's calling us to be kingdom representatives and to be expanding the kingdom of God. Sometimes we, we talk about, uh, we talk about that scripture that, well, you know what the Bible says, hell's enlarging herself. And that's, that is scripture. That is, and, and I, that scripture by all means is, it's evident that it, it, it it's, it's true. But while hell is enlarging itself, I also find that there is a verse of scripture that said that, that, and the church was added to daily such as should be saved I want to tell you Jesus is still in the saving business the church still is in the saving business all we ought to be we can't save anybody but we lead them to the Savior we impart the information to them if you would hell may be enlarging herself But the church is not dead. The church is still alive. The church is still empowered and on fire with the Holy Ghost. If we're not than we need to be. Because listen, there's still work to do until I hear that trumpet sound and I come up out of the ground or till you all call. If I'm over here, I guess you'll call Jim Shires. If I'm over in Whitfield, you'll call somebody over there. But here's the thing about it is until I am called, I still have work to do in the kingdom of God. There's still souls to be saved. There's fields to be harvested. There's people that even if it takes fear, Jude said we'll snatch them out of the fire by fear if it's what it takes. But there are people to be reached. We still got to throw out the lifeline. It's no time to circle the wagon and batten down the hatches. But we are to be full of the Spirit of God, displaying the witness of the message of Jesus Christ. That's what Pentecost is all about. So I hope, I hope your spirit is stirred today. I hope that you want to find your place, being obedient, being in harmony, receiving the infilling, and preaching the gospel message. Oh, wait a minute. Let's back up to that one last one there, Reverend. I'm no preacher. Sure you are. You may you may not ever stand behind a pulpit. And you might not prepare an outline uh, and preach a message in that capacity. But every single one of us in here have a message to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be scared of your shadow. But there's somebody you can preach that message of Jesus Christ to. But if we will do, if we will grasp those four things, those four miracles that occurred with Pentecost, I think the church will see revival and renewal one more time. I told somebody this yesterday. I don't claim this to be a prophetic word. It's just what I, I believe. I believe. I believe one of two things are about to happen in the world, especially in the Western Hemisphere. But I, I, I'll, I'll make it large. I'll make it the world. I believe one of two things are about to happen. I believe that either the rapture of the church is about ready to take place, I believe, or I believe there is another great renewal that's going to occur. Things can't be going like they're going. And not one of the two of those things occur if you study church history. I personally lean towards that Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. But if he wants to bring another awakening, I'm on board with that too. That's my personal belief. But you know what? I don't want to be alone in that. I want you to join me. I want you to be a part of it. I want you to, 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 to enjoy the blessings and the benefits of serving the Lord just like I do. I want you to go through the trials and tribulations of serving the Lord just like I do.